All right, well, we're going to get started. I'm sure after we read and pray, a few more will straggle in. My name is Josh Cools, and I've grown a lot of hair and gained a lot of weight this week. No. Josh is sick. He is still in the middle of his uh, work study, but we'll see when he gets better and he'll be back in action. So I'm pinch hitting a little bit, but uh, one of the things we were considering doing next anyway was a book like Ephesians. So just kind of had to make that quick decision. Uh, so we're going to start that this week and we'll see how uh, it flows as far as going, continue with Ephesians or jumping back to work. We'll see how Josh is doing. Pray for Josh. He's been sick and he's in a very, very busy schedule these days. Um, and also just pray for our, our teaching because for very good reasons, we've lost Kevin and Dan recently. And so we've got a lot of holes up here to fill. So pray for that. Pray for an intern. Uh, welcome back, Pastor. And uh, pray for Spring Meadows just as we move forward, uh, end of this year, into the new year. Lots going on behind the scenes, I'm sure. Um, and so be in prayer for our church and our growth. Go ahead and open up your uh, Bibles to Ephesians 1. And you know, the, the raising up and sending out is a good problem to have as a church. It should be happening in our community groups. Hopefully our community groups are growing and then needing to multiply, which comes with the heartache of breaking up maybe some close relationships you've had. It comes with raising up leaders who go out, missions, uh, pastors, and otherwise. Uh, and it is the nature. That's a healthy sign of the church. And so it's a good thing. We're not here to just grow and grow and be social and and stay with each other. We're to, to raise up and go out. Um, so praise God for that. I'll start by reading the first three verses there. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So just a quick intro before we pray. This chapter is just amazing. I, I feel, it, it feel trite just opening it to one chapter for one week. There are 30, 50, 100 sermons in this one chapter. It's, it's one of those passages in the scripture that you really ought to take the time to meditate on. I've been reading through the Bible in a year this year. Next year, I think I'm going to take passages like this and and meditate on them. This will definitely be one of them. And so, by God's grace, by His Spirit, we will we'll glean something from it. And I hope that uh, it will prompt you to go and search more and meditate. And you would you would not waste an ounce of time to just dwell in this chapter. If you're looking for something to study, um, I would just start right here if you can. Very quickly in verses uh, 1 to 3 here, we have three things that we're going to see as the chapter unfolds. That as Christians, as those who are faithful in Christ Jesus, our blessings from God are in Christ, which means they're twofold as we go through this. You can see there's a kind of a two sides to the coin there. We're, we're in Christ, so at least nine or ten times through this chapter, it talks about being in Him, in Christ, in the Beloved. And much like if you're out on a stormy sea, the, the protection from the sea and from the storm is, is in this boat. I mean, think of Noah's family in the ark. Noah's family were no different physically. They were open to the elements. They were in as much peril as, in, as any creature on earth. And yet the only reason they didn't perish was they were in the ark, which we know is a is a foreshadow of Christ. It's a picture of Christ. 
That's the difference. We, we, we're going to talk about these blessings of salvation, and I'll explain the diamond in a second, but your salvation, your blessings are all available in Christ. They're, they're already there. They're, they're all His. They're offered to you, but you must be in Him. On the other hand, why was Noah's family in the ark? We saw that in Hebrews 11, right? Why did he enter the ark? By what? By faith. By faith. And so the other side of that coin is to believe in Christ, to hope in Christ. And so we'll look more at that. The other, the other thing there is that we're blessed with every spiritual blessing. No blessings are left out. Because we're in Christ, we get everything that he has and what he has to offer. And this is, Paul isn't so much going through like a didactic teaching here of just, he's not going to explain all these terms. He's just going to throw them out there because it's like we catch Paul in the middle of this, this, this moment of worship and doxology, which is a great example of how good theology ought to drive us to worship. It ought not to be stale and fill our heads without filling our hearts. And so I'm almost going to do violence to that thought as I'm going to try to break some of this stuff down, but but realize he's just blasting this like a shotgun out. And at times in our in our Christian walk, we ought to just feel overwhelmed with the grace of God. Terms that he uses here about lavishing his grace upon us. And we ought we ought to feel that at times that wow, I just keep getting hit here. And there's more, there's more. And what I mean by that diamond is it's a it's a one unit, it's one piece. But as you look at that diamond through the light and turn the facet, the colors change and you get a little bit different look at the diamond. And so all of salvation, all of the blessings are there, and yet every facet has something to teach us. Something to teach us about God, about ourselves, about our relationship. So it's those who are justified are also adopted. But those are two very distinct things to, to think about and, and contemplate. And we'll just touch the surface today. And then that they are in the heavenly places. And so these blessings, don't, we don't always see with our physical eyes. We don't always experience them. We have to read his word. We need an apostle. Paul establishes himself as an apostle because these have to be appropriated by faith. We, we access all of these things by faith. And so that's just an intro as we go through. We'll hit those more. Could I have a volunteer to read verses 4 to 14? And then uh, 15 to the end. Two volunteers? I see that in. No, I don't. All right. 4 to 14. Who has got the second bit? All right. Thank you. Go ahead. Even as he chose us in him for the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons to Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the blood. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, 
I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in all my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above the rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Guy, would you mind praying for us? Dear Father, we thank you uh, for your word and how it uh, feeds our souls. And we thank you for uh, this opportunity this morning to uh, understand more fully what it means to be in Christ. Mm. Uh, what an incredible privilege it is to be in Christ and to be called for you. Father, we pray that you would be pleased to illumine your word to each of our hearts this morning so that we might go into worship uh, full spirit and truth. We pray that uh, you be pleased to uh, bless this time. Bless our Amen. Okay, let's go back to that phrase of being in Christ. We're in verse 3 for a little bit. So all of the blessings that are ours have been accomplished by and are continuously sustained in Christ. I probably should have made that a statement on yours. The blessings have been accomplished by and are continuously sustained by Christ. Look again at verses 20 to 22. Look at these words of action, things that have been accomplished. God worked in Christ. He raised him from the dead. He seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. These aren't just spiritual thoughts or theories. These are actual accomplishments, things that have actually happened. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion above every name that is named. And then look at the sustaining. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He put all things under his feet, actions, and gave him his head over all things to the church. And so to be in Christ is absolutely essential. So we can talk about uh, the great fatherhood of God. And uh, th- there are blessings that creation receives, all of creation receives. There are even blessings that all creation receives because of Christ's work. If nothing else, the world isn't destroyed right now, as it ought to be. There is mercy there because of a plan that we read about. People are benefiting from that. But the, but the specific Christian blessings we're going to talk about, these are in Christ. And they can only be in Christ because he has done something for his elect. He has accomplished something for his bride. And these blessings are for those that are in him, that are hidden in him. And we talk about every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing is ours. And so the Christian life isn't, isn't one of uh, accumulating more and more blessings so much as recognizing the, the blessings that are already there. This should sound very much like Romans 8.32 we went through recently. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If you're in Christ, if God has already given you the most precious thing possible, 
how would he hold back anything else? James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives graciously to all. He's a gracious giver. He's not a stubborn giver. He's not like us. He doesn't just give what kind of we need to check the box. All right, this is needed for a gift because it's Christmas time coming up and I want to keep this relationship going. No, he gives everything. Yeah. In the first verse, it talks about an apostle by the will of God. You think about the amazement that Paul writes about Ephesus. Because right after the stoning of Stephen, it said Paul was attempting to ravage the church. Mm. He was to destroy the church. So here's a man, in one moment, he hears this vortex, but he's the people of God. And perhaps like, you know, Jesus talked about the prostitute, too much has been given, you know, the worship that she gave because she knew her sins, she understood her sins. Probably same with Paul, because he knew he was the chief of sinners. He can have this moment of doxology. And so that's a lesson for all of us, to, to experience such doxology and worship is probably to come face-to-face with our sin and to really be humbled and to see the grace of God. So there are no second-class citizens in the kingdom, in the church. In chapter 2, he's going to encourage them, you're no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And so with the late notice this week, I don't have time to do an, a real intro and overview. Hopefully we'll get that next time. But in general, you can see, uh, I heard one outline was, you see the wealth of God in the first three chapters. All these blessings we're going to see in chapters two and three. He's going to talk about the Jew and the Gentile and how those were brought together and there's no longer the separation. And then the walk of God, chapters four and five, how to live out. Once you understand these things, how to live. And then the warfare of God in chapter six, as you see the spiritual armor of God. Yes. You, you, you said something about accumulating the blessings. And, and, and am I to understand that God has all the blessings ever needed? But do Christians have all the blessings they need all the time? Or is it something that a Christian accumulates? Can I have, can I have certain blessings today? And tomorrow have an additional one? So what I'm saying is that every spiritual blessing that is to be had is in Christ. And we're in Christ. And so we have, by faith, we have access to those blessings. Uh, And access to all that he has. All of it. Now, that's not to say, you're making me jump ahead, but we'll do that. Oh, wow. No, it's okay. So in chapter 4... Paul's going to make a real big point of we have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all and in all, and yet to each one has been given gifts according to the measure of Christ's grace. And so that's not to say we don't have different gifts and different callings. It's also not to deny things like a special presence of Christ's spirit as needed. Peter talks about that. When you're persecuted for righteousness sake, you are blessed. Because the God, Spirit of God and of grace rests upon you. And so that's not to say that there's a, there's a special presence, a special knowledge, and as, as God as a father takes care of his, his wounded child, um, 
It's not to say that we don't have different callings and those different gifts, but the blessings of what it means to be saved, to be a child of God, are all of ours. And so as a, as, as a new believer, you know, versus someone who's been a believer for 60 years, they have those same blessings already. But what happens is, and, and we're going to kind of talk about, um, you know, things like justification versus sanctification. So there are things that have already happened to us. Like we've come to faith in Christ, and yet that, that sanctification, that growing in grace, is not so much an accumulating of more blessings. It's really, as he says, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So he may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. It's really your eyes opening more, your faith growing, and seeing what you already had all along. And so, and that's an important thing because we don't, there are, there are, Elements in the church where one, like a second blessing or, or, you know, it, it almost gives you, they would probably never admit it, but some super status. You, you already have the spirit in full measure. There's no more measure as far as the presence of the spirit. Now there, there is a whole discussion on, again, on that experiential level of a baptism in the spirit and things like that. But again, the point is, it's not to go accumulate something more. Maybe someone can help me explain this, but it's already yours. And, and you are growing in the faith and in the Savior that you already have. And that's the point. And maybe I skipped some things. We'll see. Um, verses 7 and 9. According to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will. Again, we're gonna we're gonna outline here in a bit kind of um, a timeline of certain blessings, but things that you see all through there, you see you see a plan that's kind of carried out, you see grace, and you see riches that are kind of just all the way through here, and, and that that's an important. We're not blessed out of God's riches. He doesn't have a thousand dollars and gives five here, five here, five here, right? He, we are blessed according to his riches. So Toad, you have everything that Christ has. Judy, you have everything. He doesn't run out, right? It's these infinite, eternal blessings that he gives to all, all of his children. He doesn't hold back. So sanctification, I meant to put this on your sheet as well. Sanctification and maturity then is not so much a matter of receiving new blessings, but rather growing in your understanding of the blessings that are already yours. Uh, verses 18 and 19. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which it has called you. It's a matter of you knowing it. It's a matter of you understanding it. What is the to- hope to which he has called you? He's already called you to that hope. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance of the saints? What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? Okay, and then in the heavenly places. Verse 20 there. He worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So we're in Christ, and Christ is raised at the right hand of God in the heavenly places. Chapter 2 is going to tell us, He made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So here we are, and yet there we are. We are right now in the heavenly places with Christ. We're seated there with him. We're already victorious. And yet Satan hasn't been bound yet. 
And that's, that's what we're going to kind of talk about here. There's, in a sense, there's words that are used like this timeline. And yet there's a sense that it's all done. And it, it, it gets a little confusing to d- divide in there and try to, to mark it up, even though I'll try. Again, we access all these blessings by faith. They're in heaven. We don't necessarily see them. Hebrews, we've gone through several chapters there that comparing the earthly tent and the heavenly tent. In uh, Galatians 4, it talks about the present Jerusalem versus the, the Jerusalem in heaven. Is, you know, she is our mother. And so sometimes the, our, our physical eyes don't see our spiritual blessings. We need eyes of faith. Yes. So we're about to go through them. We're about to, so all these words, we're about to go through a bunch of words, and really I'm only going to get to cover a couple of them. So the blessings he's going to talk about, things like calling, adoption, predestination, his love, his forgiveness, those kind of blessings. Okay, so let's, let's diagram a little bit. And this is how I study. And so it's, it's a window into how, if it's helpful to you, you can do this too. As I read a passage like this, and there's just so much going on, I sit and I start diagramming. And sometimes it's helpful, sometimes it's not. Like I said, I don't think Paul meant it to be per se diagrammed, but um, I found it helpful. So, <coughs> and let me say, this is good for all of us, to just delve in and just be overwhelmed. Like, there's no way we're going to cover this in an hour kind of thing. Um, some of us, this is red meat to a Calvinist, right? Oh, there's... Predestination is talked about twice here. This is a passage. That's a danger to you because, or if any of these words you jump in and focus on and miss everything else, you're missing the whole point. It's all of this. All of this comes together. And yet, so often Paul does this. He, he doesn't explain things in a way and defend things even. He just says, it's true. And he moves on. He doesn't sit and defend against the things that he knows people are going to say. Um, at the same time, I found this very helpful. Uh, some of you were here and, and read my journals from uh, Iraq 11 years ago. Can you believe that? Uh, and I'm sure I talked about this, but I, I was fine. I was going, we don't often find ourselves maybe in ecumenical circles. But I was going to, you know, the one English-speaking church there and had a one Bible study, and you've got people from all over the place. And it was just, I was, I was dying just the lack of depth and, and the misunderstanding. And I had an opportunity to teach one of the Bible studies and I didn't want to make people reformed. I didn't want to make them Calvinists. I just wanted to give them a glimpse into a little more depth. And I remember taking Ephesians 1 and just simply doing what I'm about to do. I didn't pause at predestination or elect. I didn't, I just showed them it's right there with all these other terms. And, and that wasn't my focus. My focus was there's so much more than when you use the word saved. There was a guy there that was trying to teach me how to go through a 13 step process to get someone saved. And just the, the, the language was so narrow. It wasn't untrue, most of it. It's just so narrow. But the word, we, we often throw these words out, saved, redeemed, forgiven. And if we don't understand those, we could meditate weeks on each one of those. And so let me just introduce that a little bit. And then catch and let me know if I haven't answered. All right, so as we go through there, um, someone threw out a word that was one of our blessings, starting in verse 4 there. Well, let me first say, what, what you find there, what I see is you kind of have past, present, and future. And then more specifically, we're going to have, that's not good. 
In eternity past? That's on your sheet there. You have a historical past. And you have a personal past. And so, there are things that are going to happen in the, before the foundations of the world, before time began, before the world began. Things that happened before history really started, right? Before Genesis 1-1. You have a historical past. Primarily, I'm thinking of the cross there. But there are other things that in God's folding out his plan that have worked out so that you came to a place to hear the gospel and believe. And, but, but primarily, we're looking at things that Christ accomplished in his death and resurrection. And then you have a personal past. At some point, if you're a believer today, you came to repentance of faith for the first time. And then there are things that are present, they're on, ongoing uh, in our lives. So we often talk about personal past would be something like justification, right? Present would be sanctification, growing in grace. Um, and then there are things that are future. The salvation is not yet complete. It's not consummated. If, if God fails in the future... Everything he promised is for naught. We're not really fully saved yet, right? The devil still is, is out there. Um, and then let me go ahead and fill these in while we're thinking about it. So, uh, past, and, well, I won't even explain that. So, we talk about um, being saved from the penalty of sin. Oops. The uh, power of sin as we grow in grace and our understanding, our eyes of our heart and our light, and one day we'll be removed from the very presence of sin. Is that an S or a C? C? That doesn't look right. There we go. It's not a British spelling either. It's just, it's just a C. So this is good. A, a good Sunday school way of going. We're removed from, in all of God's totality, we're removed from the penalty of sin. And now we're, we're increasingly being removed from the power of sin. And one day, the very presence of sin will be removed. So that, that's all of salvation. Okay, so what are some terms there? And we'll try to kind of identify where they are. Some of these are easier than others. And we're going to talk about a couple of those at the end. He chose us. Where does that go? Yeah. I probably should have picked a big color scheme. All right, so words like he chose... And you know what? As you're studying through here, maybe you're like, mm, there's a term. It must be before there, but I don't know where. Well, maybe put it to the side and study it more later. But just kind of go through the past. What is, what's another blessing that we have? All right. Where would you put that? Yeah, that, that might be one that might be a little, maybe I'll just put it out here. But that is one of our blessings. And maybe there's multifaceted ways of being holy. Hint, hint. All right, what else? Yes? Well, when you say holy, I mean we have holiness by proxy. Okay. Yeah. Because Christ is holy and we're in Christ. God's presence without being holy, but in the future we will be. Exactly right. There's supposed to be present. Absolutely. And, there, and again, Paul's not saying we have to do what I'm doing and force it into a category. Right. And there's probably different places this could go depending on what you mean. What's another blessing we have? Redemption. Where is that? What is redemption, first of all? Okay, it's tied to forgiven. In fact, it's in the same verse. What does it mean to redeem anything? 
to buy it back. When when is God purchase us? Yeah. Yeah, at the cross. Redeemed. Exactly. That a price was paid, right? The wages of sin is death, and that wage was paid at that point. What else? Another well you said forgiveness. Where would you put that? That's one of our topics below because it's a hard one. <laughs> Let's throw it out here for now. We'll talk about that. What else? What's another blessing? You have to read vertically now. Yeah. Gives you a new heart. Where is that? It is in the Bible. It's just not its passage. <laughs> a new heart. When does that happen? He gives us a new heart at the cross. When, when did you, Ralph, receive a new heart? Before I came to him, because I couldn't come to him until he changed my heart. Okay, but okay, but in that process of coming to him, so would you say that happened during your lifetime? Okay, right. So maybe the personal past here. Yeah, today I'm not going to go in such detail as far as the actual order of things. That's important. We're just, but yeah, it happened in your lifetime is the point. And before today. Okay. Another blessing you see there. Wisdom. Where does that go? You don't have, you can be wrong. It's okay. Present. Yeah, I mean, it started here, right? But then, yeah, that's something we're continually growing in. So that's one of those blessings that he is granting on, a, on an ongoing basis. And obviously it starts when we first repent and believe. Any, any more you want to nail down? Inheritance. Where would you put that? Eternity past? Notice in verses uh, 11 and 14. So let's start, let's start jumping into some of how some of this interacts. And as Ralph is showing, you can't, you don't have to define yourself to Ephesians 1 here. We'll go elsewhere here soon. All blessings you see in the Bible can kind of be talked about in this way. But on inheritance is a good, good example of where we need to see some interplay. So in verse 11, we see that we, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined. So in that sense, I agree with you. Predestined is obviously back here. It's pre. And because of the way Paul talks about it, I agree that that's obtaining my inheritance. Or maybe it doesn't force it there. The fact that you've obtained inheritance because you're predestined doesn't mean the obtaining has to be done there. Um, I think you could argue for it at the cross to obtain inheritance. You could argue for it... Um, in your personal coming to faith and repentance, now you've obtained an inheritance. Uh, we'll look at First Peter in a second. But the so we've obtained an inheritance, and now look at verse fourteen. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. When do we acquire our, our inheritance? That's down here, right? Acquire uh, inheritance. So that and that's where things like holiness. Um, Things like forgiveness and inheritance, you almost need, uh, was that a preposition? Or that, well, those are verbs, but, you know, you almost need to, there, there's a facet of it 
we got to think about. So, our, we have an inheritance. God's kept it in heaven for us. But we haven't acquired it yet. We have it, but we don't have it. And that's where you start getting a little more precision of language and distinction and, and kind of nuances that we have to wrestle with in the scriptures. That's why they call it consummate. Right, exactly. It's that. Yeah, because it, and what do you mean by that? I mean, that is when... It's a big word. It is. I mean, it has, you know, a variety of meanings. But the consummation, all things are given. Yeah. So when it all comes back together, right? We're, and that's what we talk about. We're being, we're in the here but not yet kind of stage of history. It, we have these things, and yet there's a sense that they're not fully ours just yet. Just like Christ. We have Christ, we're in Christ, and yet we don't know him fully. One day we're going to know him fully as he, as we're fully known. That's what right? the that's Absolutely. The relationship will be totally concerned. Absolutely. Now to the last day. Amen. Uh, we could go through, we could talk about his plan. So clearly his plan started here, right? He started it, and yet the plan is unfolding. And then he talks about the plan for the fullness of time in Christ. And so there's, there's an unraveling of that plan until it's full. It's not full yet. It's partial. It's, it's unraveling. Um, okay, so you get the idea. Things like adoption. Uh, he originally made known to us, but continues, but we're adopted here um, as we come to faith. Uh, as far as present, here, here's the way God talks about salvation. 1 Corinthians 15. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received. You received that gospel when I preached it to you. In which you stand and by which you are being saved. So it is very proper to say, I have been saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. All those are true. And again, we sort of went so narrow to use this word saved as your initial coming to faith and repentance. Yes? Um, one of the characteristics of the genre that Paul wrote as an epistle, in this particular section, he flags or signals everything else he's going to talk about in the rest of the Mm-hmm. All these terms it would be an interesting study to sound about. Okay, where does he talk about this? Where does he talk about this? This, this? And it's all in there, and it's extremely trinitarian. That's the second. That, that's a really good point. I I realized this morning that I hadn't thought about the Trinity in my prep, but that is when you talk about all these blessings, the wholeness. It's also all of the Trinity involved, and it's so clear in this passage. God shows us in Christ, and the Spirit guarantees our inheritance. I saw a hand. You say in the present, uh, you, to say I am being saved is true. You kind of expect on that. To me, when you hear that also that you know, Christ's work is finished on the cross, that he's covered our sins with his blood, that seems to conflict with that. So you kind of... Well, and that's probably because when you a lot of times when we use the word saved, we we think about those past things. Either the what happened at the cross that I was saved, I was purchased, or I've come to faith and repentance and I was justified, I've been saved. But salvation is all of these blessings. The word salvation is used in Scripture for past, present, and future. And so you're, you're being saved right now. Christ is at the right hand interceding for you right now. That's part of your salvation. Without that, you're dead. It doesn't... 
It doesn't matter if this happened. If this ha- if Christ died on the cross and doesn't answer you, you're dead. So that that this all relies, and the fact that this is um, effective for us is effectual for us relies on the faithfulness of God, faithfulness of Christ. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Justification would be a clear um, component of salvation that's not just a one-time. Uh, exactly, exactly. And so let's think about some other passages. We're very familiar with Romans 8. The five words, what were the five words in Romans 8? 28, 29, I think, those are the verses. Those whom God foreknew, right? He predestined. Those he predestined, he called, right? So in that coming to Christ. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified. Interesting that he speaks of it in the past tense, right? Again, this all comes together. And not only are we predestined to believe, we're predestined to be conformed to his image. So back to this holiness. Um, we don't have time to go through all those passages, but I wrote them there for you to um, uh, to look up. Let's see. I'm looking at your sheet now. Um, yeah, so later, we won't have time to go through all of 1 Corinthians 15, but you'll see that there in those verses near the bottom. First um, Peter is worth looking at. Let's work First Peter, if you want to turn there or just listen. Because I want to, I want to see this interplay um, a bit. Verse three of First Peter: Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again. We're born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're back to the resurrection to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. I guess that's true right now. It's the characteristic of that. Kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through through faith. So it's present. You're being guarded right now. Through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. There's that future aspect of salvation. And understanding all this, you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Understanding this is very practical. To understand this and to be lost in the grandeur of God's plan... And his faithfulness to his children helps you right now when you walk out this door and have a tragedy that you're dealing with. That helps you right now. Because it shows you that God hasn't forgotten you. He is saving you. He is protecting you. He is guarding you. Nothing this world can do can take away this inheritance. Right? Luther wrote a song about that. Okay. Probably running low on time. Well, not horrible, but all right, let's look at forgiveness, because I, I find this one a little fascinating. So we definitely don't have time to read. I have a whole page on forgiveness. It's not going to happen. Um, but I find this a bit challenging to, to place forgiveness, and that's okay. I don't have to place it, right? So there's some verses there I've shown you. Um, he ties it to redemption, so that might say that forgiveness happens at the cross, and there's a lot of logic in that, right? If, if my sins are paid for at the cross, then I ought to be forgiven, right? Colossians 2, that says that uh, Christ has forgiven us all our trespasses. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. That kind of looks at the cross. We're forgiven because of the cross. Um, Hebrews 10, Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin. 
And he says, where there is forgiveness of these, there's no longer an offering of sin. So again, kind of tied to Christ's work on the cross. On the other hand, you have passages like Acts 2 and Acts 10. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. And so you're not forgiven just because Christ died on the cross. You must come, repent, and believe for the forgiveness of sin. Acts 10, uh, to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. And so you're, you don't receive forgiveness until you come to faith in Christ. And so there's no such thing as Unitarianism. Every, the whole world is not saved because Christ died on the cross. They must come to repent and believe. And then there's a sense that it's daily ongoing. Think of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. Pray like this. This is a, an ongoing way we ought to pray. If you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. If you don't, He won't. So now there's a sense of, of an ongoing forgiveness that's now contingent upon my forgiving others. First John, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So now, again, we, we must have confession of sin in our life. So how do you explain that? Well, you're starting to talk about losing your salvation. All I did was quote scripture. So scripture talked about it. I know where you're going. How, how do you explain that? <laughs> Delicately. <laughs> how about we just accept the fact that we have these facets and it all has to happen. It all has to work. All of these things are true. Um, the, our forgiveness is now this is where you go to your prepositions, is based on, right, is rooted in Christ's death. If Christ never died, if Christ never was true, it doesn't matter what kind of life I live or what repentance I have today, it's hogwash in Toad's terminology. Right? There is no forgiveness without the cross. It's, he must have actually accomplished what he said. And yet I must, I, I don't access that forgiveness, that basis of my forgiveness. I don't receive it Unless I come to faith in Christ. I'll leave you with that to meditate on. How do you come to the faith? Well, you hear the gospel and you repent and believe. So God opens your eyes originally. So here we're talking about the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. But at one point you were blind. You had no sight. And those eyes must be turned on. But to those people that came to the faith, did they have to be predestined? Yes. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. As one pastor said to me once, election is not the gospel. It's what makes the gospel work, but it's not the gospel itself. The gospel is Christ died, raised from again, believe on it. I think one of my hardest things that I discovered in my studies is predestination. Because it undoes us, doesn't it? It just humbles us. As good as it is, we fight against it because we want some of that glory. We don't want to rely on his riches and his grace and his plan. But this being true in the past and present is what gives us hope for the future. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you've got to hold out something for the person coming. Absolutely. And, you know, and you do make a decision. So it's, it's not that that's wrong. It's just that it's so narrow in the scope of everything else. You know, then it's like, well, why did you make the decision? Right. Right. You make a decision, 
but everything you do is consistent with what you want to do. Sure. And when your heart wants to see God, you will do that. And with that heart, it's just, it's just what you do. Right. It goes back to this two-sided of in Christ. And, and you will do it because you do what you want to do. Right. Christ doesn't believe for us. Christ can't believe for us. But he does enable us to believe. Or you could say the other way around, right? Christ enables us to believe. But we, we, are, we believe in him. We hope in him. Both are happening at the same time. Um, how are we doing on time? I, I, I don't want to go into eternal justification. I just want to mention it. So eternal justification is, this, is the belief. There have been a few in history, not many. John Gill, someone said even Piper believed in this. But, um, and this is the logic. This is where you can get yourself in trouble. It's very logical. Okay, God chose us. He predestined us in eternity past. How would God set his love on someone who's unholy, who's unclean? Well, therefore, he must have justified us. He must have declared us righteousness before time began so that he could set his love on us. And that is very logical. I, I can see the logic in that. I have no way of disputing that on a logical basis. We simply see that, what, how does Scripture represent justification? We are justified what? By faith. By faith. That, and that's what Scripture says. Sometimes we, we can get ourselves, like with the forgiveness, at some point you just forget the logic. Right? At some point you're just tied up in knots and you look at what the Scripture says. This is a Westminster Confession is great on this subject, which denies eternal justification. God did from all eternity decree to justify all the elect. And Christ did in the fullness of time die for their sins and rise again for their justification. Nevertheless, they are not justified until the Holy Spirit does in due time actually apply Christ unto them. There it is. There's the Trinity in action. There's the, the historical progression. If you, if you can call eternity past history. Um, and so don't be careful about making too many logical steps that doesn't have scripture supporting you along the way. Use the scriptural lily pads as you, as you step into things. And yet we do. We do need to, God designed us to think logically and to, to make these connections and to think systematically. Um, that's the way we're wired and so we need to do that. So again, we're back to the diamond of salvation. All of these things are just a different facet and we've just touched on a, some of them. But they're all come together. They're all, it's all or nothing in the blessings of Christ because Christ is not going to be divided up. He's ours. We're in Him. And God won't hold anything back. Let me also say, don't be so scared of these if-then statements, if you forgive others. Because all of this is true at once. I think sometimes we shy away from language that the Armenians are going to take and run with. But you know what? There, those, those verses are there about saving someone from going to death. Those who call back a sinner who is wandering has saved his soul from death. Uh, if we believe, if we, if we stop believing, we're, our, the branches are going to be broken off. That's true. If, if we don't continue, those things are true. And those are not bad things to warn people with. Believers and unbelievers alike. Hebrews does that. It's warning these, these confessing believers of falling away. Uh, in Galatians 5, he talks about falling away from grace. That, that can make us Calvinists a bit, a bit scared by that language, but it's there in the scripture. Because at the same time, God is working out his plan. 
He's going, to, he's going to work in you to willing to act according to His good pleasure. So we are working out our salvation for it's God who works it in us. Both are true at the same time. So we fall back on the, on the backdrop of what's going on if we don't see as clearly. Uh, we don't know why we make certain decisions because God has enabled us. He's given us a new heart. He's opened our eyes. And, and the Spirit is actively lavishing us with, with riches so that we will continue. It is, it is a conditional. We, we must continue to believe. And it's unconditional in the sense that God's going to ensure that we continue. Last comments or questions? We never question the call of us in Christ. Toss them in the Gentiles. Think about the percentage of the New Testament. What a God would respect again and again. And at the end of Romans 7, he says, the things I don't do. Mm. Yeah, part of that present is an ongoing struggle with sin. Because we're not here yet. Alright, let's pray. Our Father, we thank you. We, we praise you and bless you. We thank you for all these blessings that are ours in Christ. Give us eyes of faith to see the things that are in the heavenly places. The things that we don't experience day to day. May we grow not only in our knowledge, but our confidence in our adoration and worship of Christ. And if we find ourselves growing in knowledge and getting a big head and not bowing in worship, may, may you rebuke us. May you show us our sin so that we can confess our sin and continue that relationship of receiving a forgiveness of a father, not a judge. We pray now as we go into worship that our hearts would be prepared in a special way now to hear your word. Thank you for bringing uh, Tim and Pam back safely. Pray you would bless him as, as he brings your word to us. Be with the music team as they lead us. Help us even then not to focus on the music, but to, to focus on the words and the worship. Thank you for all the spiritual blessings that are ours. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.